This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. good how are you okay i wore my my lighted up shirt from blissfully bookish since we're doing a crescent city episode today that's a fantastic way to be on theme i am jealous i really like that it's embroidered is it black it's like a dark charcoal gray but the lighted up is embroidered which is like better than the print so i know it'll stay and i got the medium which i haven't worn medium in like years so that's That's fantastic i am very jealous shout out to blissfully bookish for all of their fantastic merchandise and apparently fantastic shipping oh my gosh i said like one to three weeks due to covid and i'm like i get it like COVID sucks. But then to get it in five days, I was I was so excited. And and to have it for today, it's just meant to be. I love it. On that note, I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And you are listening to another episode of A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. And today we're talking about, quite obviously, Crescent City, House of Earth and Blood. Because House of Earth and Blood was exactly how SJM unintentionally manifested how 2020 would go. Before we get started, we wanted to make sure we noted that there will be spoilers in this episode, specifically from Shadowhunters, the From Blood and Ash series, Akatar, Akawar, Akafas, Crescent City 2, as well as some trigger warnings regarding conversations around suicide, excessive substance abuse, and addiction. Last night, before we started recording, I went down the TikTok rabbit hole for research, of course, and I found myself in Mass Trash's Bryce Quinlan content all the way from May. She's just so great. And I wasn't on Book Talk then. I wasn't part of, you know, I was just like in my trash reads. Um, again, I'm going to emphasize, I say that with a term of endearment because I do love contemporary romance. Um, but I I knew she was good, but she just has Bryce down to like, I, I feel like I offended her. And by even thinking I can try to pull off Bryce for Halloween this year. And then Peachy's cosplay where she was like, she's dressed up and she has the My Little Ponies that look like Jelly Jubilee. You know, it just goes to what you said last episode that it is talent. It is not easy. They're both so great. And they're both the two that I really see pull off Bryce so well. And I feel like they just kind of embody her. I I love Peachy's cosplay when she does... The, the one that you're talking about, these are my ladies, this is Brianna. You know what I would call her, <laughs> Brianna. It, it was just fantastic. And and with um, Mass Trash, her name is Bethany. Oh. She's got the like arched eyebrow and it's just so perfect. That is also reflected in her Nesta cosplay too, but mm-hmm. it, it she's just so good. I, I love both of them so much and it's just something that I could never do. And it's wonderful to see and to see that those two prominent cosplayers are showing Bryce some love is really fantastic because 
as we know, the market's kind of oversaturated with Akatar and those kind of cosplays and people on TikTok that we will not mention by name that we are tired of and are trying too hard that we might have muted on our For You pages. I definitely. And you know what I love about the Bryce love? I feel like you're so used to hearing and even though like Bryce is half fae, it's not like she's fully fae, but even the description of her where she was like, I was told I was too clunky. I was also told my boobs are too big and my ass could be used as aerial port landing pad. I feel like in the fae world, everyone's just like long and slender or muscly and Illyrian bat boy like. And to have just somebody who isn't necessarily your picturesque fae. I loved that. And I, you, and I think it's, and she's gorgeous and she's adored by everybody. And that's, that's drilled in throughout the book about like, she can't go anywhere without being gawked at. And even from, you know, that's not from a female perspective, you're like, I just want to be able to walk somewhere and feel safe, but she's a badass. She can handle herself. So like, that is not a problem to her. Like she can hold her own. And she just, she exudes confidence and both uh, Georgia is Peachy's name. Um, Georgia and Bethany, they just, they elevate the whole experience for her. You're absolutely right. And speaking of pictures and bringing it to life, I have just a few Instagram accounts that do fan art and the artists that I just want to kind of shout out because they really helped me shape the world and shape the characters. So that I I really felt like they were actual people and, and not kind of rough around the edges, which is helpful. Thank you, TikTok. Thank you, Instagram for this. Uh, the first one that I want to shout out is Morgana. I guess it's O Anagram. So she does the the like sexy, moody Danica and Bryce, and she does Therian. And uh, she has the famous picture of Bryce in the white dress mm-hmm. that's very tight. I will say that a lot of these artists do emphasize Bryce's ears probably more than is necessary just because she's half fae. Right. But whatever, I can't draw. So, you know. <laughs> no, but I've like, even when reading the book, I don't think I imagined Bryce to have like su- super fae ears, you know, or, like high fae ears. I just, it was, they're not typically shaped, but maybe like a little bit curved, like a little bit elongated, but definitely not round like a human. Definitely. The next one I want to kind of shout out is Rosie Thorne's 88. She does the paper art, and I know I have it, and Jess, I know you have it, mm-hmm. of Danica and Bryce doing the drop with all of the colors and looking at it. It is just absolutely stunning. Uh, one of my favorites. I remember she posted a video of the layers it took to make that 3D paper art, and just the talent jumps out. When it comes to fan art that you don't see, I don't know, like we, you know, the museum, we've gone to the Prado, we've gone to the Met, we've gone to MoMA, we go to all these, not to deny the talent that are in these huge museums, but at the same time, like, the, I don't know, there's, there's, there's a level of precision that should be admired at such a level. What must it be like to have talent? I guess I I will never, I will never know this thing, but um, I'll just, I'll immerse myself in it, but I won't have it. Bless these people and and their artistic talent because God knows I don't have it. Beth Gilbert underscore art. 
she has that beautiful picture of Danica and Bryce on the side of the mountain. Oh, that's my favorite one. And, and they're they're like looking back at the camera and, and it, it they're all bandaged and we'll we'll get into what that scene was, but that's a really beautiful one that I actually just bought. Um so I want to shout that one out. And let's see, just a few more. The Sashek underscore art. That's the the picture of Hunt in his like gear, you know, acting all <laughs> badass, holding a skull, and he just, you know, the Umbra Mortis. We'll get into Hunt. <laughs> Alrin uh, dot art. He's the one with it's like a side profile of Danica, and it's got the moon behind her and her braids over her shoulder with all the the colorful strands. And he's also the one that does the the Bryce in the tank top with her boobs kind of hanging out with a red background and like her hair looks like it's blowing. Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about now. See, exactly. Like you, you, you know, they, they come up so much that I just thought it was important to kind of acknowledge these artists. And the last one is Carlos GZZ003. And I saw this, the first one, the first work of art that I saw was Rune, which I, I, I never really think about Rune, but we'll talk about Rune. I know what I like about Rune, and I know we're like, I love the TikToks where it's the voiceover, and it's sometimes you throw shit at Kevin, and they're like, who's Kevin? And then it's Rune. That like, <laughs> Those are so good. I, I don't know. I just, we don't, don't really think, of, I personally don't really think about Rune, but let me tell you, this this art of him with his very colorful tattoos. His abs are on full display. His pants are low. He's got the V. Like, he's all oily. I was like, oh, okay. It's it's less of a focus on his, like, buzz cut and piercings, and it's more focused on his tattoo V and abs. And, I mean, I'm here for that. Meanwhile, I like the two. I, and I'm terrible. I should have looked at the artist. But we will post, like, we'll post the fan art on our Instagram page. Um, so whoever's listening, they can see what we're referring to and give the appropriate shout-outs. Um, but there's two. I mean, those are the ones, like, Laura's bringing up. And I'm like, I like the one with Bryce and Connor and they're just like snuggling on the couch or there's this one of Bryce and Hunt and he's just like chilling watching a sunball game and she's watch she's reading Akamath and saying like oh I I need a Reese and I go girl like this is this I felt like it was a self-portrait because that's me reading Akamath saying I need Reese all the time <laughs> We, I think we could all use a Reese, but uh, Reese, unfortunately, is not the topic of this week's conversation, but we'll get into him. Yeah, and that that is my roundup of all the fantastic fan art. And as mentioned, we will post it on the Instagram so that you can see everything that we're talking about and give, you know, these artists the appropriate props because what they're doing isn't easy and it needs to be appreciated. And my God, I can't draw so good on him <laughs> so i will say laura's read this twice right yes you you are you are correct i had to read it twice the first time i i'm not gonna say i didn't like it the first time i had reservations and the second time i decided i really really enjoyed it but it did take twice i mean and Again, I lean into Laura as my sensei because I'd have so many questions. And and I had read the Akatar series and then, you know, book depression. And I transitioned out of it with uh, 
a contemporary romance, The Hating Game, which is now being made into a movie and production started on November 21st. So that, you know, in a COVID world, it's going to be interesting to see how things continue to be made. Um, But I went into this blind. I didn't even read the synopsis because Laura said, just read this. You'll be fine. I go, is it emotional? She goes, no, it's not emotional. So Laura's the friend. If you're looking for advice, you go to her directly. Like she will not sugarcoat it. I absolutely love and respect that. I do not question. I'm pretty much the only person that does take her advice, but I I respect it. And she's giving me the advice, advice for a reason. Like Laura said, like Faye versus Fairy was very hard. So the fact that I didn't even take her advice reading the genre, like shame on me. I'm not denying her book's suggestions anymore. I just lean into her because we're having our, I'm already having my own current book issue, but that's for another episode. So yes, I went into Crescent City blind. I didn't even read the synopsis. So I'm reading. I'm so excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, I love Bryce and Danica. Like this feels like us when we're in college. This kind of feels like us when we get together now too sometimes. So when I tell you in chapter five that I find out Danica dies, I, I was distraught. I was I was mad. I didn't know why she wasn't telling me this. Like, oh, you let me believe this for five minutes. I'm, I physically put, like, mentally put ourselves in these roles. I love their friendship. I love their this. I mean, we'll get back to, like, later in the episode where you find out that they travel to the Red Rocks together, which Laura and I have done. Like, we have pictures. Like, I was emotionally invested in this friendship that chapter five, I'm like, what? Or whatever chapter it was, right in the beginning of the book. And if I read the synopsis, I would have known, but I completely blindsided. Laura, you have your own pop culture references to this instance, too. I do. Um, When Jess and I were discussing this the other day, kind of planning out this episode, it really occurred to me, just a light bulb moment, um, the, the shock value of Danica being just like horrifically like murdered right away um, really kind of brought to mind Scream. The, the OG horror movie, um, Ski Ulrich. Mm, he's a very attractive man. Oh, Daddy Skeet. Daddy Skeet. Da- Daddy Skeet. We love Daddy Skeet. We love Serpent Skeet. Uh, Riverdale, shout out. Um, we don't recommend Riverdale. We're just Not saying. Not right now. <laughs> yeah, n- no, we're just saying that he is very attractive on that show and that everybody on that show is very attractive. But I digress. Danica dying very early is a shock, quite clearly. So it made me think of Scream and it made me think of how when that movie was coming out, everybody focused on Drew Barrymore. She was the big draw. They put her on the poster. She's in that blonde wig. And then just the first like 20 minutes, she is just brutally and horrifically murdered in just a, at the time, completely original and crazy way. And that shaped everything else that happened in the movie and just the parallels between what happened in that movie with Drew and then what is happening with Danica was really clear to me. And of course, as I said, when when I first read this book, I was so confused at this point because I was still trying to figure out who belonged to all the houses, but it didn't matter. It was focusing on the wrong thing. Danica dying and it makes me wonder where Sarah got the idea from it because I haven't read or listened to Sarah really talk about Crescent City. I don't know if I missed that 
when the book was launching, but I, I would be really interested to see where she pulled that inspiration from and just to see where her thought process was, because I know this is an adult book and she was going for adult themes and that's definitely here, but uh, damn. Part of the thing I like about, I don't know if it's not so much, it's not really, it goes with the adult theme, but I like the world that she created with Crescent City where it's still, it doesn't feel dystopian. It doesn't feel like it's in the past. There's cell phones. There's, I, I just feel like this is a distant future, but, you know, there's an establishment, the cam- all the cameras are watching things all the time, but except for the apartment that they're they're living in where the camera's cut out. So you don't know about the whole murder scene. Also, the government's tracking everything that you're saying, like they're able to pull up everything when Bryce is getting questioned and they're like, oh, well, which also like they're totally slut shaming her. I, I hate that. Like, let her get her some part of our intro. We say like in the importance of not being the first love interest well first love interest connor dies so (laughs) which shame on me i haven't learned this pattern with sarah j mass where i liked i liked connor i knew right off the bat i was like oh he's so sweet and maybe like i don't know their dynamic but she's definitely into him she would just like show off in front of him or just whatever so i liked him then he's the first love interest like we then that's part of the the, the shock value. Um, so while we're talking about not being the first love interest, I think it's a good opportunity to kind of dive into Hunt. And I'll say right off the bat that I am not a huge fan of Hunt. I don't root for Hunt and Bryce as Endgame. I am a Adis stan. That's how I... I'm kind of hoping that it goes. Of course, we don't know, but Hunt is too much of a bro. He's, you know, the sports <laughs> on the couch with the hat is a good fan art picture, but I don't want that in a man. It is just, it's just not something that attracts me. And like, yes, he's very, <laughs> he's very powerful. He's very tortured. He's got the the tattoo. He he sacrificed everything for love. All the elements are there, but I he he just doesn't do it for me at all. You know, she has all these fantasies with him, and then I'm just thinking, look. At first, I was like, you know, maybe Hunt's a good lay. And I'm thinking, well, you know what, I. I don't even think he's a good lay. I think I just think he's a lay. Like I don't know. I've done the bro thing. Bros are overrated. I don't. I mean, no bros are listening to this podcast, so I don't even feel bad saying that. It's just he's good for what she needs right now. And I think that could be said about a lot of things that we experience in our lives, where you have people who come in and out of your life, um, regardless if it's that's in a romantic capacity or just in friendship, and they are meant to teach you something or just be somebody there in that moment. And I think they both have stuff to work on, but even with everybody focusing on like, what what's their fandom name? Brythalar, Brythalar. I have no, I am so not invested in them as a couple that I have no idea what their fandom name is. I'm just assuming because I don't think it would be like Heist. (laughs) They're both so, like, they're both working their shit out and that's great. They could work it out together. But he's still hung up on his dead ex. 
who, by the way, his dead ex's sister raped him. Like, that's a lot to unpack. It's kind of glossed over, too. It's kind of, it's, like, said and implied, but it's not explicitly, like, said. And and they're twins. It's such Amarantha vibes from Sandriel. Absolutely, absolutely. We need, yeah, the evil, evil kind of queen situation that we have going there. Which is its own conversation about how women are consistently the evil queens and there's no redemption arc or minimal redemption arcs that you see in books and in television and media. And Hunt traded, I I think this is also an important topic to mention, like Hunt traded going from Sandriel over to Micah. And I mean, he's a slave. They say that openly. He is a slave. He's got this He's got this bargain with Micah. He's got to murder all these people to make up for all the other people that he murdered. Or that he didn't specifically murder, that him and his legion, when they, like, did the revolt against, what the the kind of revolt, that, you know, he's like, you are responsible for all these men. You you and your men total killed X amount of people. So now you're going to kill that same number for me. Like, his, his personal, Micah's personal mercenary. Exactly. And, you know, that sucks. There, there's, there's really no way to, like, sugarcoat that. Like, it sucks. Like, he was horrifically tortured under Sandriel for however long. I know they say it, but there's a lot of information in that damn book. Sarah J. Mass is an info-dumping queen. <laughs> she is an info-dumping queen. World-building, yes. Info-dumping, whoa. <laughs> and, and, and I understand that Hunt is damaged. I understand that he has all of this baggage and i understand that he was a complete and total dick to bryce for a long time um i he he pulls himself out of it you know whatever they have their moments fine but he was a real dick to her and said said horrible like horrible things to her and but it was all based on that misconception of and what's and what does um bryce say she's like there's nothing wrong with a party girl i don't know why the world thinks there is and she's like but you know what people can think what they want about me that's not true but i get to see their true colors based on their perception and i think that's just really important to you know just a general topic in regards to women specifically knowing who we are and really anybody knowing who you are as a person, people are going to have misconceptions about you all the time or preconceived notions, but that's on them. That's a testament to those people and their character. That's not reflective on you because what's it? The people who mind don't matter and the people who matter don't mind. And that that's Dr. Seuss, but <laughs> but it's still it's still applicable like and then i think of you know um you you posted on instagram the the day after biden was announced he is our president elect live your life in such a way that people don't cheer against you also like cheer when you lose your job mm-hmm. and bryce is like people can cheer against her people can be for her but the people who are for her they know her they know her at her core and and hunt just went into everything thinking the absolute worst she was so of course she's gonna feed into it when he was like demanding things when he would be outside jessica's antique place and she would just look at him and he'd think like he's ready to come in she's like see you in, see you in four weeks like 
Bye, bitch. I just, I love her. I love her sense of self. We all should find that within us. It's, it's so refreshing to see. You don't see people written like that. You don't even see them portrayed like that. I mean, maybe except Cheryl Blossom, like, who was another awesome redhead. This is true. Um, and, and I think, I think a good point to make here with what we're talking about is to acknowledge the fact that Bryce was in a very deep, dark depression for a long time. Years. Years. Based on the assumptions that people made about her when her text messages got hacked and released. Um, You know, trigger warning, she was on the verge of committing suicide. That is something that Sarah has kind of hinted in other books, but this is like flat out, like she, she was on the roof. She was on the roof and, um, you know, she, with her friends and, and the, the help of her friends, she pulled herself out of it, but it wasn't easy. Juniper was on the, like Juniper mm-hmm. was just like, she wasn't talking to her friends. Everything was fine. Like, or that's what Bryce would lead people to believe. Juniper was on the phone with her. She had to physically remove her from the roof and just stayed with her and, was on watch with her and traded, you know, traded off with, I think maybe Fury came back for a hot second. I don't remember, but somebody she switched off with. And and let's not forget that her like suicide attempt didn't do, like she didn't get better. Like it, it wasn't, yeah. it, it wasn't this automatic, like, okay, this is my like lowest moment. And now I'm going to get better. She, it, it goes up and down. And I think that's really important just to acknowledge because you, your mental health can go up and down. I'm thinking specifically of on Danica's birthday, which everyone forgot. Mm-hmm. And, and Bryce goes to the bakery and they put like, like slut or something right on in the, in the box of chocolate croissants and she opens it and she's just like, God, you know, when they tell people even like a grieving process. Everybody thinks it's like you have these stages and then you hit, you know, stages one through whatever, and then ding, it's fine. And I think what is important to note if you haven't gone through some sort of loss in your life is that it's not like this timer and it's done and it does go in waves and you can do, you know, stage one, two, three, and then go back to one. And that alone is discouraging or do one, two, three, four, and then go back to two because then you think, I thought. I thought I had moved past this. You think that there's growth. And I think there's even something that Bryce says, people keep going on with their life, but your life doesn't just like, you're just sitting there wondering like, how is everybody going, continuing with like, this is a person who was more than her best friend. Like this was um, her, her sister that she got to choose. This was, you know, there's also that, soulmates don't always have to be somebody who's romantic like your friends can be your soulmates i know like this isn't related to the to our podcast but like sex in the city drives that home and like quote unquote boys are just like these things that we get to have fun with um everybody has a different definition of soulmate and sisterhood and that is heavily you know that relationship that loss that bryce suffers it impacts her so deep because of that. And it's also not fair that because you have a closeness in your relationships that people, at least in this story, people just assumed that they were lesbians. Right. Like, oh, this this loss hit you so hard 
were you guys lovers? Like, that's just very close minded in that in that context as well. And also, do you think that that would be said if it were like guys? No, no, you're absolutely it would not. If a bro was like the man, was like he's my bro, 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 he's my brother. Like we've known each other since we were five. And especially when you think of best friends or brotherhoods and frats, like obviously with any relationship, some friendships are stronger than others. But if a man had this sort of loss and felt like he lost his actual brother and this does this does happen, there is no assumption that, oh, they must have, you know, they must have been lovers. You can have a loss that's not from based on a sexual uh, sexual relationship. I just it's really weird that that was the assumption. Well, and and that's society too, because society will sexualize two women all the time faster than they will sexualize two men. You know, everyone is weirdly more comfortable with uh, assuming that about women. And that's just, you know, where we are in the world. And it sucks. Well, even with the concept of threesomes, everybody automatically assumes if like somebody's asking for a threesome, it has to be two females and a male. Right. Which is really I mean, that's a whole different episode, but that'll be really interesting for me to read JLA's book where that's not the focus. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That is not the focus. That is not the focus. Not at all. And um, also in, in, in that in that vein in Shadowhunters, that is also not the focus. It's it's always, you know, you got you got two dudes. You know what's crazy? It's like here here you're thinking or people can think like, oh, that's so forward thinking. That's not forward thinking. That's just thinking. Yep, exactly. And and it just circles back around to slut shaming and how specifically I, I'm just thinking about here like I live in Europe and things are a lot more kind of open and conservative in a lot of other ways. But like sexually, they did just break up a 600 person orgy in Berlin. COVID. <laughs> they only broke it up because of COVID, not because not because it's such a sex orgy. Feel free to Google that. It will come up. Berlin, 600 person sex party. Um Things are a bit more free over here. So if you if you circle back around to to friendship, I think that is a good kind of segue into arguably the most heartbreaking part of this story. And also, um, in in my opinion, the strongest part of the story, like the meat of the story is the friendship, because as I said before, I am. I didn't buy into the romance of this story. That is my opinion. But the friendship, I absolutely bought into. No, absolutely. I think that's why when Laura had suggested this book to me, she was just like, you know what? There's going to be like some emotion, but you'll be fine. And I didn't think I would be so devastated throughout the whole thing. Like I had waves of just thinking back and I think about Laura and my friendship and just where I put the importance of friendship in my life, um, that friends were there for me when I really, you know, I had a roof over my head. I was fed, but I didn't have a strong relationship with the parental figures in my life. And so um, 
I leaned heavily into my friends growing up. And I think that's why this book hit me so hard because it was my friends who helped me get through the thing, through my emotional roller coasters and my own traumas um, that I have shared or still haven't shared with people. And I think that's why it really wasn't the romance because I already got my romance fix with Akatar and then my contemporary fictions. Like I, I was getting my romance in other places in a literary capacity. Um, but the friendship, like the fact that this book was so focused on French and not just Bryce and Danica, like even Bryce and Lahaba's friendship, even though Lahaba was considered um, a lesser, I think is how they referred to her. Um, she and Bryce still had such a strong connection. And even you, and she brings it up, even though going back to um, when they were talking about like her deep depression, she's like, I, I worry you're going to go back there. Like she worries, she's like, you're sad again. You're sad. Like, like you were two Decembers ago or whatever the date was. You're, you're sad again, BB. Oh, oh, what a, what, what a good, like she's, you know, what? she's, she's, she's a fire sprite. So she's, she's, she really is a spitfire and it comes in her passion exudes she you know she's she's fiery about like the things that she loves and about her friendship and the people she loves and she's just like even when she has to go back and protect the library in the basement she's like i don't i don't want to go back down there i want to like be with you and then she's like then bryson start, bryce starts spending more time with lahaba and then bryson hunt start spending more like she even the way Lahaba develops her relationships with other people. Like she wants that connection. And I think everybody is looking for that connection in some sort of capacity, which is why chapter 79, which isn't even the last chapter. I feel like some people are like, Oh my gosh, 79, but this is a long ass book. Okay. <laughs> like it is not a, you know, it, it's not a 12 hour read. And she, what does she say? She's like, she's channeling her ancestors as she continues, as she goes to sacrifice herself. And she goes, my friends were with, my friends are with me and I'm not afraid. And you know what? I guess this is a time maybe we should have talked about it at the top of the episode when I, both Laura and myself, we both read this in an audiobook. So, you know, you have the, the narrator has brought these characters to life have given different voices to these different characters shout out elizabeth evans shout out she's the narrator <laughs> she's so good she's also the throne of glass narrator oh okay i'm now i'm really excited she brought these characters to life so i feel like there was definitely i i don't know if i would have had that same connection and that that's again that's its own episode about audio versus um like a hard copy I definitely would have been sad, but you just see the relationship develop and you're, I was broken. I was broken and the book wasn't even done. I didn't think it would be possible to be, again, another, another book that you're like, how can it be possible to be this broken? But I think it's because of that friendship, that focus on friendship and the dynamics that each person has with each other. And Lahaba, we said she's a fire sprite. She's very small. She has a very small spark and she willingly sacrifices herself. She knows that when the, the tank breaks and that water will run over her, she knows that she's going to die. She knows that she's really only buying Bryce seconds 
just seconds. And it, that's what it is. It's a second. It's not like she's buying her all this time. She just needs to hold out a little bit longer is really what she's doing. And this is after because she was a slave. She's a, she was a lit slave to Jessica. And then you find out that she was free. And, and Bryce was like, wait, I, Br- Bryce personally freed her. Like I don't. And she, and, and Lahaba says, well, let this be my, let everybody know this was my first act of freedom. My, my friends are with me. Oh, and I am, not, I am not afraid. That is a Sarah J. Mass specialty, I have to say. Um, the chanting of a mantra in a stressful situation. And, that, and that's what this is. Wait, um, have I, do I not remember that or I haven't seen it yet? You don't know this yet. Okay. <laughs> it is something that she uses to, to really invoke emotion. And my God, does it work? My thought that is random that always pops into my head when I think about Lahava is, do we think Fangs and Bangs is true blood? <laughs> I didn't think about that. I thought it like more dramatic, uh, like a day soap, but Fangs and Bangs, which I hope it's true blood now. And I like that Hunt refers to it as Fangs and Bangs too, because you at first you think that's just what Bryce calls it, but then you realize, oh, this is the pop culture reference. <laughs> or <laughs> what if it's Vampire Diaries? <laughs> Oh, I, I don't. I don't know if it could be Vampire Diaries because I guess the sex is very explicit, right? Oh, okay. Oh, I mean, unless I was going to say that the fangs could be the the vampires. I don't know. I guess it would be mostly vampires. We don't get the the werewolf aspect to True Blood or to Vampire Diaries till the, like this later on. Later on, yeah. I don't know. It, it always kind of just struck me as True Blood. It was like, oh, okay. All right, I get the I get the vibe that we're going with here. Yeah, well, it's yeah, it's HBO, so you have to be a little bit more aggressive with your scenes. Aggressive. I don't know if aggressive is the right word. Aggressive is a good transition into toxic parental figures. Uh, which one do we start with? <laughs> well, I I feel like we can start by clarifying that we're not talking about Bryce's. Correct, not Ember Quinlan, and oh, I I should have got I should have thought of his name the one who heads the military that everybody knows yeah yeah we're we're not we're not talking about her stepdad we're not talking about her mother or her stepdad we're talking about her biological father Uh, we're we're also talking about sabine yeah whoops i said that and in a way kind of uh jessica you know that could go either way but jessica jessica is certainly not supportive I, i wouldn't necessarily call her toxic but she has created a working environment for bryce that is a hostile work environment yeah yeah it's it's not great um bryce wants to leave but she you know hides her job applications she's afraid jessica makes her feel like she isn't really qualified or worth it and makes her feel like this the job that she has jessica gave her kind of you know makes her feel like it was a charity case and that she can't do any better so in in the world of toxic parental figures i think there is a place for people like jessica oh absolutely and then i think to that statement in regards to jessica i think like you said she hides it on her desktop she is made to feel like she's not worth it or she's not capable even though and we've had this conversation between Bryce and Jude and you and even Feyre, you have these people who are not fully mortal or completely mortal and they are doing tasks, completing things, running the show, being boss ass bitches and 
and they're the ones who are getting shit done. And and people look down on that for some reason, like or look down on them because they aren't of a certain class or a certain species. I don't know if we like that can be they they don't represent a certain demographic. Ideal. One. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that self-doubt, and we've had this conversation, I think, in the past before, where you tell someone you're a piece of shit, you're a piece of shit, like over and over again, you're going to start believing that, oh, if this person keeps thinking that, then I must be. So even if you you could be somebody who has the most confidence in the world, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to stay with you. Every emotion is fleeting and is passing. And I think that's something that I learned in one of my shows, like everybody thinks of happiness as a destination, but what if it's just a point in life? Like happiness isn't always going to be there. Emotions aren't always going to be there. Emotions are temporary and you have to understand that. And to have that self-doubt just sit with you all the time because it's constantly fed to you. Like, again, you have to pull yourself out of it sometimes. And we all have those moments of self-doubt, but staying in a hostile environment definitely doesn't help or contribute to that situation. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm looking, I took that time to look at Bryce's family and her stepfather's name is Randall. Oh, it's so basic. No, I'm thinking of Randall from Monsters Inc. Randall. We we knew we knew that. I mean, we knew that. We knew it was Randall. We we did. We know this. I am now looking at her what her father's name is, the Autumn King. No, it's just the Autumn King. Is it? Yeah, I looked at it yesterday. That's that's very interesting. That's also something that Sarah uses in, in Throne of Glass. What, just the title? Yeah, it's not it's not a huge plot point, but it is brought up in book seven. And I think it's interesting to note that we still don't know Reese's uh, surname. I don't think we're ever going to find out. She did a live where she's like, I'm just going to fuck with you guys. Like, yeah, forever. Yeah. Yeah, Now that I know you want it, which also everyone's just so concerned about it. We don't have everybody's last. We have Archer on. We only have Archer on and we have Vancera. We don't know Cassia. We don't know. We don't know Morgan's. We don't know as we don't know anybody. Tamlin doesn't have a last name. No one's like freaking out over Tam. Tim Tam. Tam Tampon. Tim Tam the Tool Man. Tam Land. Uh, Tim Tim Tam the Tool Man. Uh, what a piece of shit. For real. For real. But if we if we circle back around to toxic parental figures, then we have to talk about Bryce's father, who is a complete nutter dick. And also, um, you know, Rune isn't awesome in the beginning well he also even when you find out about their falling out he he said some shitty things to her yeah i mean granted i know that was like sibling fighting but that like one of my friends you know eddie he always calls me an emotional terrorist because i'll know someone's weak point and i'll like eviscerate you knowing what's your weak and he's just like that that is cruel and i go don't with me like i'm sorry i won't i won't physically touch you but i will make you in therapy the next day just don't don't come for me and i feel like that's what rune did to bryce in their fight you can go right from that to talking about society and and what they expect from you at at this point of their fight bryce knows that she is starborn right 
she she knows this and you know she's blinded the oracle um she has talked to adis in cat form which is just wonderful um so she she knows that she's very powerful and she doesn't tell rune because she knows how important mm-hmm. being special is to him. What is that? That is folding yourself into the expectations of society to better fit in to into your like pre-designated role and and you know, oh, it could be as simply as just you know when when we're on the train or the subway and you have the, you have guys who like do the man spread and they take up like four seats and then women are always taught to cross your legs, keep your legs close, like to minimize our space, like don't take up space. And in a way you can say that's maybe what Bryce, like she made herself smaller and on the flip, I don't want to say the flip side, but from another perspective, she knew that that was more important to rune than it was to her. She didn't care about that. Like she had her, she has her mom. She has Randall. She has her brother. Like it wasn't important to her. So her relationship with her brother meant more to her because she didn't have a lot of strong relationships. And I think she was self-sacrificing in that respect to be like, you know what? Like, it's not that big of a deal. Like let him, like you do you, like you want to, you want to think you're the best. You go think you're the best or the strongest or however you want to equate it to. And then knowing that she put that their relationship before them, before the starborn of it all. And then for him to say that to her, she's like, wow, like this, these are your true colors. Like here I was trying so hard to be close to my brother. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you could also um, turn that it's around. Also really like Rune can be such a bro. He lives in a fucking frat house at 58 with like all his, you know, friends and like the chandelier is broken and there's like beer bottles and bongs everywhere. It didn't and feel like you were at a sick new. <laughs> it really did. Oh, I just remember sometimes there's just doors not on the bathroom. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I like that meme back in March where they were like, if you ever used a bathroom in a frat house. You're immune to COVID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> you're not wrong. I'm not wrong. <laughs> you're, not, you're not wrong at all. I still all. haven't had COVID, so. I think it's also important to mention that Rune, like, why does Rune hold on to the fact that he is starborn so tightly? And that's directly uh, related to his father. Oh, absolutely. That is, that is psych 101 he is looking for approval from daddy and people always want to crap on girls and our daddy issues but nobody wants to talk about the daddy issues that stem from being you know looking for that that approval from this person even though you know that he's a piece of shit and then i could that could be its own conversation with the shatter me series too but there's always this dynamic of looking for acceptance from a paternal figure and and not and not getting it yeah Rune will never get that from his father. And also, let's be very clear that Bryce is not acknowledged publicly as the Autumn King's daughter. They don't even know that she's the Autumn King's daughter. Right. Like, Rune Rune knows, but calls everyone 
cousin, you know, he, he says that, you know, cousin to everybody. So she's cousin, very distantly related. But I think he did that out of respect for Bryce because Bryce didn't want that association. Right. Because you, you find out later, like once they're openly, you know, in a better place in their relationship, even his, his friends slash security were like, wait, she's your sister and you didn't tell us. She's our princess. Yeah. She was like, no, like, don't call me that, guys. And they they had they were already big brothers to her and overlooking her. But then they had more of this sense of obligation. And she was like, this, this is exactly why I didn't tell you guys. Like, I didn't want anybody knowing. I didn't want society knowing. Like, I, she still essentially gets to live her life under the radar because of that mm-hmm. until now. But I also but also in regards to the the rune autumn king dynamic. It would have been a different relationship had Rune because, you know, like with the drop and there's certain powers and depending on like, it feels like a crazy level up in a video game. Like who has the higher, I'm, I'm just thinking of a bar graph. He was really close to his father's, but he didn't surpass it, the drop energy level. But with Bryce, she like, she skyrocketed. I don't know if it's mentioned if she surpassed. Just, just. By a bit, just like just enough. So that's different too. I think he would have looked at Rune different if he was stronger. But sure. to the Autumn King, he's still like, nope. You're still again. You're lesser. You're you're lesser. But the Autumn King did try during his ordeal to get the Starborn Sword, and he couldn't get it. So the Autumn King is also like has this festering resentment right. towards rune which i mean clearly does not help their dynamic um at well, all and it was and rune just felt like a a, a child out of ne- maybe necessity he just like you know how how kings get they just need a son i need somebody to take over absolutely which is a fantastic segue to sabine yeah i just like remembered <laughs> and sabine and talk you know a toxic relationship um danica you know who we who we love who is tragically tragically murdered or the whole situation is just really horrific she was known or it was going to happen that she was going to become the alpha when she did the drop the grandfather was going to pass over sabine who is danica's mother and make her the the leader of the wolves that was a known fact everybody knew it and Sabine hated that. She was, and Danica was already the most powerful alpha without the title. Or no, she was going to, she was already an alpha. She was going to, Sabine was going to be passed over as prime. Because, right. so Danica was already the most powerful wolf or shifter, however they refer to it as, before the drop. So the fact that Sabine was, Sabine already had the resentment towards, and that was and, you know, and that was why it was so like this. If you carried the sword, that meant you were the alpha of all alphas, essentially. And Danica held on to it. And Sabine was just always so nasty. And it, it didn't feel like she wanted to be a mother. It was always about her and her needs. And it was never even, especially in a, like a, a wolf pack culture, like she was never about the pack either. Very self-serving. Absolutely. Um, and I think I think that's what makes um, the, the grandfather saying 
in the conference room at the very end you know he he's old he's weak he's he's going blind they think he's like senile at some points right but he he's watching bryce on the monitors you know bryce going um to the meadows and you know she's saving all these people and he looks on the screen and he's like you know there's one wolf one true wolf left and sabine's like no 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 you just yeah we're all here everybody's fine or or like you're just sensing the sword like she has the sword you're just sensing danica's sword and he's like no like listen i know what i'm saying there's one wolf left it's she's right there on which the- is shade to sabine and the rest of everybody because you think of what is it like personality traits of dogs people always love to hone in on and it's loyalty respect like that pack mentality of protectiveness and that is bryce like bryce at her core she is a wolf and she is being acknowledged from the prime as one and it completely shows the lack of character the rest of the packs have had since danica died absolutely I guess you could go there if you really wanted to and be a devil's advocate and say Sabine did alter the security footage of the robbery of the horn because Danica was shown on it and it could be traced back to her. And she, you know, Sabine gives that whole big speech on the roof. Like I was protecting my daughter. She was stupid and and protecting her legacy. Like, yeah, I didn't want her. But but really. I mean, if you really think about it, Sabine wasn't doing that to protect Danica. She no. was doing it to protect herself. Right. That That's all that is because it would reflect on her. And and she didn't want that. She, she didn't want that shame. Although, of course, we know there was no shame attached to it at all. Right. That, you know, Danica was being the defender. She was doing what she had to do since the beginning like you find as it unravels and everything and it's just a matter of okay now that you know this how because even through my speculations i was like it was it was sabine it had to have been sabine like she set her daughter up and it makes sense though because and it's set up that way because even in the beginning sabine comes into the station ready to kill Bryce and it's continued to say like that like that there's an open threat in the middle of a police station and years later like you don't think that that still holds true there is still severe animosity blaming Bryce which also at the same time she wasn't even there why are we blaming Bryce (laughs) she was at the club partying her ass off just waiting for her friend to show up yeah yeah it the, the whole thing just the whole thing. Um, I think now is a good moment to talk about the. I mean, there's a few, but the the plot twist. So as as Jess, as you were reading this, and you you would tell me where you were, I would be like, okay, well, there's like three three major plot twists coming up, or like two two more plot twists coming up, and I I remember telling you like one of them hit me very very hard. It it, it was it was the the one right before Hunt's betrayal, which I don't even count as a plot twist because we. Don't oh, know. I counted that as a. I can yeah. kind of see that. Yeah, but but for me, for me, what really made me put the book down for a day or so was when you learn that, or when Hunt lies and says that Danica was just a druggie and she was addicted 
to the synth and she and Danica killed the whole pack because she was high on synth and like she did it to herself and uh, you know she she murdered the pack be- she murdered her pack and then she murdered herself because she's just a stupid fucking druggie and you've been defending this druggie this whole time and everybody knew and just didn't want to tell you and he was like can you still sub like when he was saying like how do you how is this still your best friend like how is how do you still do you still have that love for her i i that was i i remember now i remember where i was on my walk in that moment and i because i when i was texting you and i was listening to it but two i just remember stopping in my walk because how you know, and I, and maybe, maybe this could be considered a trigger warning for some, if that was the case, there are many people out there who have loved ones who go through, who go through addictions like these. And it makes it hard to watch the people you care about go through said addictions because that doesn't just because they're going through it, just because that doesn't make you stop loving them as a person they're still you know they're it's an addiction they there is something that they're going through and that's also really sad to think that you're just going to stop loving somebody based on the choices that they make then that's not that's not unconditional love absolutely absolutely and of course hunt hunt had ulterior motives to this he was eh, whatever but um knowing what we do and this is of course spoiler warning obviously but we know that micah shot up danica with the synth and then watched her kill the pack and then kill herself. And Danica begging is horrific. Just, I mean, it's horrific in the first place, but then it's horrific knowing that because my God, how scared was she? She knew what she was doing. She knew what was going to happen. She had the videos, like she had this elaborate plan with the horn. She knew what the synth was doing and she couldn't stop herself. She knew what was going to happen. And that, and when you find that out, like first, I guess the first plot twist was thinking that she was addicted this whole time. She just didn't want to tell you blah, blah, blah. She wound up killing the pack and herself. That alone, that first plot twist, hearing that storyline, you're like, oh my gosh, like, and and then when you find out that, it wasn't her. She did get shot up. She was she was terrified because she, because of seeing the videos. She knew it was beyond her control at that point, and it just like it was a double Mack truck. It was it was it was absolutely gut wrenching and horrifying, and it, it was you know those moments with I mean Lahaba. I, I feel like Lahaba's death scene had me in tears. But learning about what happened to Danica is what made me put the book down for a day or so and to just sit with it because it was very, I mean, obviously it's very upsetting, but when you first read through it, you're like, oh my God. But then when you put it down and like really think about it, like what a horrific thing. She, you know, she was alone and that's her family and, and Mike is just there. He, it, it. Uh, what uh, it makes it makes what happens to Micah all the more satisfying, just because he 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 goes in there and he's so smug, and then and then Bryce does what she does. But that plot twist with Danica, the second when I read it the second time through was kind of when I was just like, all right, this this is really good. I'm really excited about the next book. This is not what I was expecting from Sarah, and I'm really invested. 
anything like in, in regards to Micah and the smugness, he carries that with him all the time. Even, and I'm just thinking of the specific line when he goes to ask, he like the smugness comes from a sense of entitlement also. And I just think of when he, all of a sudden he wants to be bothered with Bryce and he's like, let's go out to eat. And she's like, hmm, no, thanks. Not like, not interested. And he's just like, like, nobody says no to her. And then she says that line. Oh, and then Hunt was even saying, like, why would you say no to him? And she goes, see, that's the that right there is the problem. You and the whole rest of the world. Of course, I can't be genuinely not interested because why wouldn't I want a big, strong male to protect me? Sure, I'm pre- pretty and I'm single. And I think there's everybody equates beauty to that must mean that I have to be interested in somebody or because of somebody's, because of what they bring to the table that automatically, if I'm single, I have to be interested in somebody who's interested in me and that to, to have her constantly bring to the forefront female empowerment, I think is really important in her character and the importance of consent and saying, no, like you can have you, that is an option for people you know, you can say, no, you don't have to be mm, maybe, maybe in the future, maybe later because you are uncomfortable. You don't feel comfortable with that person. You can say no. And, um, you know, it, it's unfortunate that if you have an opinion and you have to say no, that automatic, and that's when slurs come out, you know, like, well, I didn't want to go on a date with you anyway. You insert, you know, inappropriate female name. It's so true. I'm thinking, Oh, there's a quote that I'm thinking of, and I don't remember what it's from. It's like you had so much time, you could come up with a better name than bitch. Oh, I think I think it's Throne of Glass. Oh, I think it's Throne of Glass. It, it's just like, come on. Like, really? That's the best you got? <laughs> yeah, like, that's what you're going for? Like, please. That, no. Um, so let's talk about the drop and what the drop is, why it's important, and kind of touch on the world building that takes place because I feel like that is something that confuses a lot of people because it's so info dumped in the beginning and it might turn a lot of people off of this book. Why don't you've read it twice so you could probably have a better handling on the drop? I mean, basically, you go throw yourself over the cliff, die, and hope to get your power back. You have to get your power within a certain like two minutes to get pulled back up from this abyss and hope you're oh and they always tell you you need to be anchored to somebody that'll pull you out of the depths of despair basically that's just and 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 to tie into the world building the the energy that is expelled from the drop is what powers the city it's like it's like the electricity of everything. So it is like Monsters Inc., where you have the screams and the power. It is. It is. It's, it's very. It's very similar. It's very similar. We need you to die to give us internet. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And um, so in this world, which is very complicated, and um, you can Google it and look at the maps. It'll explain it much better than we ever could. Everybody goes through the drop at a time, and you need an anchor, and you like dive down into yourself and basically go brain dead. And you have, I I believe it's like six minutes to get back up to life. And when you do, then you are immortal at that age 
that you took it. So um, Bryce and Danica always wanted to do it together to to anchor each other. But also like you do it at 27. I think, didn't they like, we're going to look good for like the rest yeah. of us? <laughs> yeah, it's like they, they uh, Bryce and Danica wanted to do it. They were like, 27 is the perfect age. You don't have wrinkles. You're developed. You have tits, but they're yeah. not saggy. Um, <laughs> And they thought about that. So, and they, and they say over and over and over again, like, Bryce, why are you risking yourself? You haven't done the drop. You know, why, why are you going out there? Why Bryce doesn't do the drop when she's out there saving people after Micah uses the horn and opens all the gates, you know, that's, that's kind of the end of the book. Which is important because this goes back to what we were saying. I was like, she's doing this. She had, had not done the drop. She had no powers. She's doing this. It at as she is as a person with nothing quote unquote special or magical about her. Right. Right. So she so Bryce, without an anchor, and I think that's that's one of the most beautiful moments in Crescent City. You know, Hunt is coming in with everybody to try to save the city from the demons that are coming through the gates after Micah used the horn, which is tattooed in Bryce's back. If you can't follow me, Google it because it's very complicated. So Bryce needs an anchor and she she's there. She's alone. Why didn't Hunt offer to be the anchor? Did he? I don't. Well, he was he was dead at this point. Oh, yeah. Forgot. Oh, spoiler. Hunt dies. He, come, he, he comes back to life. Other spoiler. <laughs> He he was he was like dead at this point. Like he, he had like no legs and like his wings were gone and like he it was a, it was a whole thing. Bryce needs needs an anchor and she's alone. She's going to do it by herself and then she hears Danica's voice through the speaker. And that's the their their quote is what she hears and she hears Danica say like light it up and she thinks that she hears it in her head and then she keeps right. hearing it. And then, um, you know, she starts crying and then Bryce does the drop and she sees Danica down in like the pit of herself. And they have that beautiful conversation where Bryce says very clearly that I am going to die here. I don't expect to go back up. I'm going to die here so that I can be with you. Stay with you. Right. Yeah. So that I can stay with you. And Danica says which i also think is really important to show uh, to go back to the mental health of it that she's this whole time it's not like she was great it's not like you're cured like this is a this is another part of that loop that she's still very hurt and very broken and misses her sister through all of this i mean she keeps doing this stuff and all she wants is for to be with her best friend that's all she wants mm-hmm. like her best friend was her other half or, you know, other whole. I hate when people say two halves of a whole. You're a whole person by You're yourself, person people. By yourself. Um, and, and this is this is why I like Danica so much because Bryce gives her this whole like, I'm going to die down here. I want to be with you. And Danica just looks at her and says, like, No, you selfish <laughs> bitch. No. This is exactly also like me and Laura's relationship. I'd be like, I can't do it. Like I if, if I like get a vulnerable moment and I cry, Laura looks at me like Suck it up, Buttercup. This is not what I. This is this is not my advice to you. What have I always said? Yeah, you just like like stop. Like you have value as a person. You can't just give up, and that and that's kind of what Bryce was doing. Um, she she gave up. So Danica is. That's not the person that I know. That is yeah. Not my that's best not friend. my best friend. 
so Danica just gives her a like swift kick in the ass and is like, you can't do this. And also Danica kind of explains like she's not actually there. Um, it's just like a piece of her. And the and the rest of the pack is like holding off the the like guardians of the underworld or whatever to give her this moment with with Bryce. Which by the way, as I was reading this whole book and it's sci-fi and I and I follow comics, in my head, Bryce was coming back. Like I just kept holding my breath, like, but she'll come back. They always come back. And I had just read, you know, Favor came back, Reese came back. I was ready. <laughs> like I wanted I was team Danica is coming back. And Laura really had to go, are you sure tell me? Like, no, Danica's not coming back. And I had to tell her, I go, are you sure? Like, are you just telling me this to another way to throw off my assumptions to not ruin the book? She goes, I tell you, she is not coming back. And I just so sad. Yeah, like Danica, Danica's gone. She's at peace. Um, you know, she she's she's crossed the water, she's been worthy, she's in, you know, the their version of like paradise or whatever. So Bryce staying down there wherever there is and you could get into it um isn't an option she can't she can't die so danica helps bryce like there's i I assume it's metaphors you know get a running start off the off the short runway and like jump back up and that's important because she does that without the anchor like that's her strength everybody who's ever done the job had to have an anchor to the point where if you didn't have an anchor they provided what like the government provided you one which also like if you're yeah okay government random random government official i definitely want to come back and pay more taxes to you like who's going to come back from that um but i think it's just it goes with a, an another like just the reoccurring theme of your friends will you you your friends will be there for you and help give you that strength to pull you out of whatever despair you're in but you also have to want to help yourself and i think that's also really important to acknowledge that danica was there for bryce even in their drop despair but bryce had to want to get out of it just as much right danica could only do so much um, you you have to put in the effort. You have to to want it because if you don't want it, you can't you can't get there. And of course, as we know, Bryce does get there. Um, she she makes it right. It's like zero point zero zero one or whatever. She, she <laughs> yeah. makes it in time, and you know she's very powerful. In my head, that the time ran out, and she still was like, "Fuck your time, <laughs> like, fuck I your time." Here I am. <laughs> It, it was it was it was very uh, listening listening and it, this goes back to the audiobook like with the audiobook I was like oh my god oh my god she can make it she gonna make it like I imagine if I was just reading uh, like reading a physical copy my eyes kind of would have skipped down just to see but mm. you don't have that option with the audiobook and I was like oh my god like and then and then, and then it stops and you know she makes it and the Autumn King is there and he's you know everybody's watching on the big monitors and you know blage blage but. It's it's an important moment, and it cements Bryce as someone of importance. She's powerful. Everyone knows that she's starborn now. Do you think that they would have, because of how she protected the city, she still would have been considered important without doing the job? Yes, but not, not the way that she is now. I mean, she's an acknowledged princess now, so that that is something. Um, I think I think she would have been, you know, how um, 
Feyre was like the protector of the rainbow. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I think it would have been something along those lines. But um, now, now she is a prominent like public figure. Oh, where she went from like protect, like curse breaker, like what was it? She was curse breaker. Then she was also the one who like when <laughs> when they, she faked out Ianthe at the spring mm-hmm. court, and everybody's like the 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 blessed one or something. <laughs> and then once everybody found out she was high lady, they're like, oh, she got real, right? Yeah, and and I think it's very similar, and I think that is a good segue to where do we think this book is going to go. <sighs> I know when, again, when I first started the book and all the info dumping is happening, they're breaking up the houses. So then I thought, okay, if this is House of Earth and Blood, maybe each one will be like House of, each will focus on different, I don't want to say couplings, but like different protagonists through, you know, just like we have the different points of view in Frost and Starlight. Like I thought maybe this will go into a different point of view. I don't know. I know SJM and JLA had that Instagram live and really she's doing a really good job about not leading into what's going to happen in the second book, except that there's a, a Mario Kart scene that, that <laughs> Bryce and Hunt are playing. So, you know, they're still living together. Uh, I'm sure they're having lots of fun with that. Shout out to Jelly Jubilee. Oh, man. I wonder if that's what she calls stuff in her nightstand now <laughs> I, I mean i hope so right <laughs> just to kind of drive the point home like, what do you that. what do you say like oh uh, like what are you like oh can, can you get the jelly jubilee like the closet or the nightstand like what you <laughs> fantastic uh, again huge shout out to georgia miss peachy keen for her fantastic oh fantastic it's so good it's so good <laughs> Um, I really don't know. And maybe that's exciting because I don't, I don't have a speculation. Um, I, maybe I'll just go into it blind again, just knowing what I know from the first book. I will say I like that fan theory that I saw going around with Rigelus is Hunt's father because Rigelus is a, is a name of a star on Orion's belt. And as we know, Hunt's Real name is Orion, the hunter, and Hunt is just like the nickname his mom called him. So I'm interested to see where that goes. I really want to just, I mean, Rune, again, Rune is just like, we throw shit at Kevin kind of thing. But I do want to see the sibling relationship develop more as somebody who has strained relationships with her siblings you know, you always want to kind of see a happy ending at some point, you know, and understanding that that might not always be the case, but I want to see more badass Bryce. Like she, like it's, it's not, it can't just go downhill from here. Like that's only the first book. Absolutely. I also want to see some badass Bryce. I, as I've stated, don't really care for Hunt. So I am a team Adis. I'm hoping that Adis and Bryce have some sort of situation some sort of relationship some sort of something was anything alluded to that here except that he just knows her from when she was 13 like i don't know if there's any like i don't want to say sexual attention but i don't know he kept saying like come find me after the drop come find me after and she hasn't and she hasn't right but he did meet with jessica he did meet with jessica in the in the end of the the drop yeah 
So he knows that she did, and he ha- he has a relationship with Jessica. So that that's already tricky, like that. Or yeah. or is it going to be he's more sinister, or is he a morally gray character? Do we know? All I know is that he's a prince of hell. Uh, I believe he's the seventh prince of hell, seven out of nine. So he's pretty powerful, and I think he's one of the 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 darkness. Is, is his realm. I, I should probably look at that. But a, a quote that sticks out in my head is stars shine brightest in the darkness. So Bryce being starborn, I would enjoy a situation where she has to interact with him, <sighs> maybe deal with the politics of hell because the politics of the hell realms have been talked about a little bit throughout the book, but not enough so that we actually know what's going on. I find that Adis is a more suitable, I'm using that word loosely, um, romantic interest for her. Oh, you know, and you could also go into the creep factor as he came to her as a child, but like you and we'll we'll talk about this in other episodes, but this is not our world. This oh. is not our society. You cannot put our cultural norms and expectations on things onto these characters. And that that that's his own episode, but us being creeped out that he knew her and like interacted with her as a child shouldn't necessarily impact the relationship now. Well, look at everybody who still defends Team Jacob and Renesme. Okay, God. like he that that that's its own thing. Like oh, but I forget what it was. I forget what it was called. But people still that existed. You're in love with her daughter. Like yeah, I'd be pissed too, Bella. Yeah, for real. <laughs> it, it's just it's a whole. It's a whole thing. And, and you know, and that can be reflected on me. I prefer complicated, you know, tragic, slightly evil, sinister villain type people uh, much better than I prefer bros. So, <laughs> you know, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I really hope that we see more Adis. In, in that same vein, I also really like Therian. We didn't even get to talk about Therian. That has to be its own. I do like Therian. Therian gives such cast vibes. Like. They they're going out drinking together. They they are man whores, but like good in a good way. We like them. Like they're the ones who are gonna make you laugh and you're still gonna be like, I'm totally going home with you tonight, aren't I? That could be a future episode that we do a favorite um not like a males, like SJM males. Not not even. Um favorite like side characters because Darian oh. definitely isn't a main character. No. But he's but he his role is prominent. His role is prominent, but he's not, you know, there's a core and he he's not yeah. necessarily in in the core. So that that could be its own episode. But um, you know, Therian and the otters is very cute. Uh I prefer Therian over Hunt. I just do. Um so that that's 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 where I'm going for it for next book. Um, I hope I hope there's some exploration into the hell realms with Adis. I hope that we see growth. I, I feel like if Bryce and Hunt are endgame, then it's kind of a a stagnant situation. Like there's no growth. There's going to be a point where I don't need, if they are end game, there's going to be a point where they're not together. I think, um, I think this also goes and this again, I, I know we'll talk about this in Akamath of my realization of like, Oh my gosh, this is just like vampire diaries. I remember I was like in the shower and I was like, Laura, I didn't even like ran into the bathroom. Like what's going on and who the people she has been with 
you know, whether it was like Connor or Hunt, who she is now and then who she might need in the future because she changes, you know, there is going to be growth there. And and this is all assumption, like maybe maybe she wants it to continue. But Hunt can't hand like he has his own insecurities that he still needs to work on and i know we've talked about this on a you know you me and sam we've all talked about this on a personal level of um there's it's not necessarily you it's them or it could be something joined where they need to work on their own personal growth and that's not something that you can be there for you know and that could be the situation that he either feels emasculated that she has all this power now and he's already has so much self-doubt from you know being under sandriel and micah and then like loving um the sandriel's sister i can't think of her name right now shahar oh shahar and there's there's a lot of st- you know and he again like his mom died so he was already like oh i guess i'll do the drop now like he everything kind of is very um, I don't want to say regimented, but sometimes you just, he, he does it blindly. And this might be the first relationship that he's like, shit, man, like I, this isn't there. There's a lot of trigger stuff for him that he doesn't even realize until it starts surfacing. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's something I didn't even consider. Absolutely. Yeah, I, absolutely. No, fantastic. Fantastic point. Good. I think I think we can we can call it there. Next week we will be discussing some theories about a court of silver flames and then we're going to be going into a court of frost and starlight. So we will be discussing There's a lot of spoilers I can say. <laughs> there, there's there's a lot of spoilers and we'll be going from someone who likes to suck toes with <laughs> To someone who may or may not have a pregnancy kink. Reese. Oh, I do. Oh, that is that. Old, that that's old that's job. that's next. That's next week. That's I next have a week. lot of comments on that. Maybe not a lot, but one. We we have we have comments. So join us next week. We'll be uh, you know discussing everything that we know about Silver Flames, which you know isn't enough. And to make it a full episode, we will be discussing the fluff that is a court of frost and starlight. So make sure that you catch up with us. Follow us on Instagram, Acafe Podcast, A-C-O-F-A-E. Um, we just launched it officially on a month before our release, which was on November 21st. And we want to make sure that we're going out there, sharing the content, sharing the wealth. We it's It's another podcast, another account that you guys can follow with a different interpretation of everything. So we want to interact. Feel free to you know, give us your comments, give us your feedbacks that we can't get better unless you give us that feedback that we all want to discuss and talk and build this community that we love so much. Don't forget, we'll be posting everything that we talked about, including uh, fan art and cosplayers that we love. We'll make that all available on the Instagram. So make sure to check that out. And hopefully we'll see you next week. Bye.